What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode eight of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where I sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you. We're all trying to figure out how to be the best leaders we can be so we can be the leaders that God has created us to be. You know, this has been an incredible journey. We started in the fall of 2017. Now we're in episode eight. We've sat down with some absolutely amazing leaders from all walks of life, but they have one common denominator. No matter their field, no matter what they do, their one common denominator is they're all working for a purpose bigger than them. You know, if you think back even to Jason Romano or Andy Stanley or Jeff Henderson or any of the guys that we've talked to, you've heard this recurring theme of, I believe I know why God put me there. And you just hear a purpose in their voice. And it is so refreshing when you find someone with purpose. Well, the gentleman we're going to sit down with today is no different. In fact, he spent over 12 seasons in the National Football League playing for the Oakland Raiders and the Baltimore Ravens where he won a Super Bowl ring. But he also was an amazing track champion in college. He was a 14-time ACC champion and 10-time All-American as a sprinter. He was an Olympian. He played in the NFL. But his story is much more than sports. You are going to love this guy. I had the privilege of meeting James Trapp in 2008 through a mutual friend of ours named Kevin Burrell, who you'll meet in a later podcast. Kevin introduced us, and I'm going to tell you, I met Trapp one time and fell in love with a guy. He gets it. He knows who he is. At that time, he was the chaplain for the Atlanta Falcons. He left Atlanta, went and worked back at Clemson in their character development for their student-athletes, worked hand-in-hand with Coach Dabo Sweeney over the athletics um, there for their football team as far as the character education for their football team there, then went and worked in Buffalo as the community relations and chaplain for the Buffalo Bills, now works with the NFL Legends community as the executive director, helping former NFL players get plugged back into their community. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm telling you, pull up a chair and listen in and take a few minutes of quiet time, even while you're driving, to let soak in the words from a great friend of mine. His name is James Trapp. Everybody calls him Trapp. So pull up a chair, listen in to my time with my good friend, Trapp. Well, Trap, it is an honor to sit down with you today and spend a little bit of time together, buddy. Well, I tell you what, Mike, it's exciting just to be on the phone with you. Uh, like I said, you know, we haven't spoken much, but man, it's always great to catch up with you. Well, same, same here. You know, I was going back over your story last night and two sport athlete at Clemson from 89 to 93 during your track and field career, 14 time ACC champion, 10 time all American as a sprinter. You won the 200-meter indoor national champion. You're an Olympian. You played football for 12 years in the league, won a Super Bowl. As you look back at your career in athletics, what was it that athletics taught you the most from track to football? What were the things that you learned the most from your time in sports? Most of the best I've learned is summing up in these. 48 years on this earth, uh, probably a good 30 years understanding living on this earth, um, is adversity is my companion. Um, you know, adversity is something that comes. It comes with the game of football. It comes with any any part of life. Um, and I, as we relate it to football, you know, or track or any other sport that I played, is 
adversity is a part of it. You have to either absorb it or run from it. And, you know, I've always been the one that says, I'm going to get through the I think I can, I think you can motto from the old, from the childhood day um, stuck with me, you know, and, and adversity is my companion and, and I've grown through it and, and, and learned a life lesson that I'm continuing to learn today. You know, so now I'd love to sit in on that for a second. So that adversity, do you think that that's a big definer from even collegiate to professional is adversity something that keeps guys from ever getting ahead? They just can't overcome adversity. No, I don't think anyone can because it pops up when you don't, when you least expect it. You know, yep. you think you're good, you think you're coasting, you think you worked hard enough, you study hard enough, you're fast enough, you're big enough, strong enough. You know, but at, at some point it pops up again. Whether it pops up in the hamstring, whether it pops up in learning a different defense or a different offense, learning a different terminology whether it pops up with having to deal with a new coach or new teammates. I mean, it always pops up. It's always going to show its, its head. So you have to always be prepared. And a part of that is, 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 is uh, first Timothy four, when it says, you know, physical strength has its, has its value, but spiritual strength has, has its value in all things, you know? So we have to be, you know, always strengthening our minds and strengthening our hearts and our character for when adversity does pop up, because it will show who we are. Uh, many of us can be chameleons in life. We can flow from one situation to the next situation until it's either too hot or too cold, and we, we're sticking out like a soft thumb. So you have to make sure you prepare yourself mentally and physically. You know, it's funny when you go back, and I, I remember hearing about all of this and, of course, reading up on it. You know, there's a new James Trap and an old James Trap. The, the, <laughs> guy, the, 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 guy, the guy that probably ran at Clemson and played uh, for those Clemson years and then played for the Raiders, how would you describe the old James Trapp? How, how would you define him? Well, you know, let's take a dip back into that old man. That, that old man needed to be where he was, doing what he was doing. Um, did I have grace? I can't tell you how much grace I've had. I can't even explain the grace that I had through those young years. But I needed those years to become who I am today. Um, you know, I was brash, I was bold, I was arrogant. Um, um, you know, I was a jack of all trades. I can tell you that instead of saying the other word, but I can tell you, um, I needed to be who I was then in order to be who I am now. And, and I say that because Christ uses us right where we are and who we are. He transforms us every day. You know, it says renew your mind. So we have, he transforms us every day if we allow him to. And, you know, I needed that person then because that person then didn't respect borders or boundaries you know i crashed through them i ran through them as hard as i could but i can tell you what the grace of god is the reason why i'm sitting here today and i can lean back on those stories when i'm dealing with someone that's dealing with either uh, uh out of wedlock like um childbirth or 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 dealing with the um law enforcement or, or dealing with authority or you know, dealing with all the different um, avenues of life that I dealt with from those young years until now, I can relate to those guys. I don't have to live there, but I can relate to them to start that organic conversation that needs to happen in order to help bring them up out of some of the stuff they're dealing with. You know, I, lo I love how you say that because so many times we can look back at that time in our lives and go, well, that time was wasted and that time really wasn't. And it really is never wasted, is it? God, God uses no. that. God uses it, and I'm, I bet in your life He uses it every day, doesn't He? He uses it every day, Mike. I, I will not find myself uh, without having to dive back in to bring some remembrance back to to an uh, area of my life in the past that I can relate to someone that I'm talking to. Then, whether it be a stranger or whether it be a little brother, a little sister, or one of my sons or daughters. Um, I can always dip back in there in that pool to bring some relational stuff there to help bring them up. To, like I say, bring them up out of where they are or, even, or just encourage them right where they are so that they can understand that no one is born in perfection. No one walks in perfection. Um, but we still have to, you know, make that, that step or that strive towards Christ. And this is what it looks like. This is what it looked like for me. And maybe it's a little similar as you can get from this picture and, and add it to your life. You know, it's hard It's hard for me to even imagine that because I know the new James. I didn't know the old James. I'm reading, I'm reading the articles. And, and did you really get in a fight on the medal stand one time? Is that true? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won, and I was stepping off the step. I was stepping off the, the top podium, and of course, I talked a lot of cash junk back in those days. I know that's a term that used much, but I talked a lot of junk on the track, on the football field, and I was uh, antagonistic. I got up under my opponent's skin. You know, I knew how to handle adversity, but most people, if you find in life, they don't, and especially your competitors. If you find a weak a weak spot, you're going to, you know, expose it. And that's what I did. Um, a lot of guys I ran against couldn't handle the trash talk. They couldn't handle, um, you know, me showing up at the track, me saying, all right, who's going to get second today? i like to know. You know, that, that kind of talk right there is not heard of um, in track and field. They used to, you know, everybody be quiet, go do your warm-up, get up on the track. I wasn't that guy. I was even in the block saying, all right, who's going to get second? I mean – you're supposed to be quiet at the start, you know. So, you know, it was, it was a lot of stuff going on that, you know, I, I didn't respect a lot of boundaries, and, and, and it caused a fight. You know, I think it was one of the first recorded ever fights at a uh, championship meet in track and field news. And, uh, you know, from there I went on and, you know, got into many fights in school and also in the league. And, and um, you know, I'm not proud of, of bragging those places. That's just who I was. Yeah. And I tell you, I tell you something, Mike. I tell you something. That same um, fight that I had then, I still have now. You know, and 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 the good thing about it is God placed all that in me. It's just now He knows how to deliver it. You know, that same crazy boldness that I had for life, I have that for Christ. You know, so it allows me to get in some doors and walk into some places with a confidence that is unheard of, but it's the same confidence that, that many of us should have in Christ. It's not a pride or arrogance. It's just a, it's a, it's a quiet humility, strength of confidence. I'm going to walk in this door and I want to be who I am because I know I'm trying to, you know, resemble or give an example of Christ before you. So, I mean, that, that's been the blessing of, of, of having that bold character from there to now. Well, I love that. And I, you know, and I remember that first time you and I met and you were telling me a little bit of your story. You got traded from the Raiders or let go from the Raiders and picked up by the Ravens. And that wasn't, yeah. that wasn't a journey you really wanted to be on, was it? No, it wasn't a journey at all, really, because you know, I had a, a opt-out year in my clause in my contract, which was in my favor. So I became a free agent. And and I never forget my, my, my agent, George Marikis, called me and he says, James, he says hard to be your agent. And I, and I just shook my head. I didn't even say why. I just shook my head on the phone. Just shaking my head. I know you can feel my shaking of my head from the phone. And uh he says, because there's only two teams that give you an option. One of them you already uh you already living there. It's the Raiders, the other one is the Ravens. Um and I tell you, Ozzie Newsom went out on a limb to sign me. You know, um, of course Signing me came with a lot of different clauses, addendums to my contract, but he signed me, and 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 being signed over to a new new team, a new familiar, you know, unfamiliar area, uh, it was it was sketchy. It was sketchy. It was scary, and you know, I took the chance. I went over, and and, and that's when my life began to take a, a new a uh, a new path, and, and and that path came through uh, Dr. Rod Harris. Well, I love that. I was, in fact, I was watching a video of Brian Billick talking about you and talking about how nervous they were picking you up <laughs> and how, you know, I think it was the, 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 the key quarterbacks coach, DB's coach that talked him in and knew you from Oakland and talked to yeah. uh, coach Billick about getting you there. And I remember hearing him tell the story about, he thought your name, the guys on the team were calling you Joe and he thought he had been calling you the wrong name the whole time. How did you get the nickname? <laughs> Joe Trap. Well, tell everybody the story about that. Oh man, that's awesome. I tell you, man, I think Coach Schaefer, Steve Schaefer was my DB coach at the Raiders. And and I literally cussed him out on a weekly basis while he was my while he was my defensive back coach at the Raiders. To the point I stopped going to his meetings. It was really bad. Um I was a good player and he knew that, but I was a bad person. And, you know, for him to stand on the table for me to come to Baltimore, I, I found this out when I was redoing my second deal. Because they only signed me to a one-year deal. <laughs> like, we were signing me wow. to a one-year deal. If he messed up, he's out of here. When I was signing my, my, my second deal with the Ravens, I found out that he stood on the table for me. But, of course, my life had changed. And, man, I was so thankful for him. And I am to this day. You know, I, I try to stand in, in touch with Coach Schaefer and, and Miss Jane because they are so in, influential in my life that a man saw me 
you know, basically in a pit, and yet he made a a, a bold decision to stand outside that pit and, and, and put his hand down and allow me to climb up out of that pit. Mm. You know, I'll never, ever uh, discount that. And, and, and that's Christianity. That, that's, that's Christianity's best. We're helping someone get up out of a pit. He helped me get up out of a pit, not knowing how I would respond. He put his own job on the line to pull me up out, to help me get up out of this pit. And, and so, you know, when I got there, my, my, like I said, my life changed. It transitioned quickly to it. It transitioned during training camp. And, you know, I was so volatile uh, on the inside for the game of football. And, and, and they couldn't recognize the James who was meek and mild and humble and loving, walking around the facility and loving his family and loving the Lord. Like, we can't call him James. We're not going to call him Trap because <laughs> it just don't seem right. But it's like when I got on the field, they said, man, it's like a different switch. And I went along with it. I let them say, hey, they call me Joe Trap. They said, because this dude will fight you. He'll hit you. He won't cuss you. Yeah, I wouldn't cuss him on the field, but I would fight him. I would hit him just as hard. And, you know, I would tell guys, I said, man, how you going to beat me and the Lord? I said, we, we just, man, we three to one right now. I got you beat. And, you know, they, they took that and, and they gave me a nickname, Joe Trap, because there's no way this guy's just violent and just aggressive on the field. And then over here on the office field, he's he laid back. You know, they they couldn't they couldn't understand that. And you know, I let them have that. But, you know, I'm thankful for the time I had in Baltimore. I'm thankful for that locker room atmosphere and the coaches. Um, it was a great time for us. It really was. You know, I, I think that's such a great story because so much happened. You kept alluding, you've kept alluding to this during that time. And I remember you telling me the story of a, of the chaplain knocking on your door on Saturday night and inviting you. Tell everybody the story of, of Pastor Rod and what happened in your life while you were in Baltimore. Well, I tell you, um, Rod Harris is a man. He's a man of God. Um, he never coerced anyone. To come to chapel, he never twice twisted your arm. He he never, you know, demanded it because Billy never demanded it. Uh, but he would always invite, and he didn't just invite. He invited everyone. He would always come. Hey man, you come to chapel. Hey, you come to Bible study. Hey, you come to Bible study. I mean, it's just like boom, 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 all all the time. And I'm nah, that ain't for me. I don't need that. You know, my grandmother got me covered in prayer, you know. I mean, and he would come back with a little quick joke, you know. So you're like, why well, this dude was pretty, he's pretty slick with it, you know. So he was kind of infectious in a way with his personality and the way he came off. Um, really had a pure heart for Christ and, and had an essence of, I've been there before, James. And, you know, like I said, one night we were off, uh, the vets were off on, you know, uh, Wednesday night, Sunday night. And it was a Wednesday night. We're off, and I usually went out with the guys, you know, and, and did the things that we do um, back in those days. And, and I decided not to go out, and my roommate was Rod Wilson at the time. I know he doesn't mind sharing this, but he was looking at me. He was like, yo, you going out with the fellas? And I was like, no, nah, I'm not going out with the fellas. And I was like, where you headed? He's like, I'm going to see the wife. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, because his wife had driven down from Pittsburgh. And and um, and so I was sitting there, um, Mike, and I just kept sitting there, and I just kept just looking at this blank TV screen. And then uh, this TV screen started showing me a picture of my life. And that, that broke me. It, it showed me all the people that I hurt. But the most, the person that was hurting, hurting the most was me. You know, I don't think a lot of people have that quiet time or quietness enough to see how broken they are. And I got a chance to see that. And I got a chance to see myself in a light that I had never looked at myself in a light because I was always, you know, strong mind, strong body, um, I'm the best, I'm the champion, you know, all kind of mentality. But to see myself uh, in this picture picture screen, uh, it broke me. It showed me, yes, you know, I hurt, you know, uh, ex-girlfriends, ex-wife, children, my own family, um, just anyone. And, and, and then I looked at myself and I was the broken one. Hurt people do hurt people. Yeah. And I was that hurt person. And, um, and, you know, I called Rod up on his phone. And I tell you, I tell you this, and, and I don't understand because he never said, hey, Trap, he never said, who is it? <laughs> he never said, I'm laying here next to my wife's sleep. What do you want? <laughs> you know, he just simply said, I'll be right over. And, and, mm. and man, he led, he led me to Christ um, that night. And, and it changed my life. It, it changed my life. 
it changed my life to a point that I ended up calling Napoleon uh, 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 Napoleon Kaufman, who was our running back at the Raiders, uh, came from Washington. Great, great running back. Uh, was a Heisman candidate, I believe, and you know, first round draft pick to us at the Raiders. And he ran, he ran the same streets I ran when we were first at the Raiders, and and to see him change his life, you know, in season to the point that he he left football for ministry. Mm. You know, now he has a successful church out in in, in um in Danville, California, uh, called the Well. But he left football for ministry. He didn't leave football because of injury or because of he left because of Jesus Christ. And I couldn't relate to that, so I I I I was antagonistic towards him the whole season that that we went through, and and I talked so much, Johnson, where's your Jesus? And it was just a bad situation for him. And I didn't realize he was the strength in that situation. Mm. But man, when I when I received Christ, I called him. I hadn't talked to him in two years. And I called his number and he answered the phone. He answered on the first phone. It didn't rain, rain, it rained, he answered. And and I just told him, I just told him I gave my life to the Lord. I gave my I completely gave my life to the Lord. Um and man, he cried right there with me on the phone. Mm. And, you know, and 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 I tell you. Just looking at that, that, that's why I say it's how we live Christ, not always what we say about him. He lived Christ in a locker room that had no no want to, that don't have no inclination of Christ, didn't want to have no business to do, but he lived that in a locker room and transformed in the face of guys that he hung out with doing things that we shouldn't have been doing. But he lived that for a year and a half. And 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 I tell you, that was the thing that stuck out to me the most. That was my first call. Most people say, oh, you should have called your wife first. You should have called your mom or your grandma or somebody. But no, he was my first call um, because he was so impactful in my life by just living Christ. And, um, you know, from there, it just, it, it was a great snowball, you know, the avalanche. Everything just dropped. And went downhill, uh, and um, man, I'm on that ride still today. That's incredible. Initially, that happens. What was the biggest transformation? What do you think was the for you looking back on that now? What what was the biggest transformation that happened in your heart during that time? The biggest transformation that happened in my heart is to allow um, a wife that I've been married to at that time, uh, about seven years, <laughs> yeah, about seven years at that time, maybe, you know, six years at that time we've been married, but it allowed me to allow her to love me completely. Wow. Wow. And before that, you don't think you'd been able to do that? No, I was closed door. I was, uh, superficial um you know i just dealt with people um basically on where i needed if i needed something i dealt with if i didn't then i then i wouldn't deal with um without that was the case then you know and and i think i think i just married at that time because i was afraid to lose someone that was close to me that was at least willing to love me but when i let my guard down and allow her to love me. Here we are, 22 years in marriage, um, and I'm so thankful and I'm blessed by it. That's incredible. That's incredible. You hang up. You hang up your your cleats. <laughs> career's over, and then you begin all types of different leadership roles uh, in different organizations. I know, but you've been with the Falcons, the Bills, Clemson. Uh, now we'll get into that a little bit. You're working on the NFL now. How how has what Christ has done in your life? helped you in each of those roles? It's helped me, Mike, because, you know, leadership is something I think people see. And and I really feel like a lot of people have it. They just don't know how to express it, whether it be physically or verbally. Um, but I do understand that when you read the Bible, when you, you start taking note of the Bible, uh, you under, you get a picture of what leadership should be. And and when you get that picture, you start living that picture. You are attracted to to a, uh, people are, are attracted to you. It's that aroma, it's that sweet smell and aroma that you are to people. 
Um, because I don't think it really is the you. Yeah, I have the story. I have a backdrop. But it's the fact that I allow Christ to lead in me. And that comes back to that being able to make the bold choice or the bold decision and not have fear because you vetted all the processes. Like this, you know, uh, my, my father-in-law was a, a contractor. He was a builder. Um, you know, he, he measured twice, cut once. So, so you, you do your due diligence in life. And so you have a confidence about the decisions that you make because you're not swayed by emotion. And I think when you read the Bible, I know that when you read the Bible and you live, try to live towards those uh, standards of the word, then you don't have to worry about partiality when, you, um, when you're when you around people. And I think a lot of people like that. And I think that's really been, you know, the blessing that I've been able to bring to a lot of the multiple uh, organizations that I've been in is the fact that, you know, I'm going to be transparent, I'm going to be truthful, and I'm going to allow you to examine me even. I'm not going to have any hidden corners. I'll let you examine me, but know that the word is examining you while I'm standing before you. Sometimes people want that. Sometimes they don't. But leadership is leadership. It's hard to not um, allow that to um, influence a situation. Now, I've been grateful, and I've been really thankful for the positions that I've been in since I've retired from football. Because I've been involved in football. You know, well, it's funny because I think the average person trap looks at TV and they watch they watch these guys on Sunday or Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night football, and they go, "Man, these guys, they've got everything. Would they really be interested in spiritual things?" What What would you say to that? <laughs> you know, it's it's a fallacy. I mean, everyone thinks that you know the world that was flat at one time and <laughs> it was round. I mean, uh, these guys have a thought process. They, they're 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 young men, you know, and they're married to young women um, that that think, and they're they're people, they're humans, they're they're football players, but that, that's something that they do. Many of them have a a, a, a they they process things um, like normal people. They're they're you know they're Christians, and they're some that are not, but. You know, when you look at the the gamut of these football guys, they don't they realize that they don't have it all because they miss there's a void in everyone's life. You can have all the material things, but there's a void in your life somewhere and who's gonna fill it. Not enough anything else can fill it. And people have tried it, I tried it. Um, but Christ is the only one that can fill it. And I think a lot of these young guys, because there's ministry at campus campuses now, different college campuses. Um, they come into a league now where they have a better stewardship of what they have and the gift that they have, you know. So I think that's been a blessing over these last, you know, last probably decade or so, you know, a couple decades, probably the last 20 years. It's been really good with um, guys understanding, you know, their platforms that they have. You know, I remember a conversation, something you said to me one time, and it really stuck with me. And I, I may mess the phrasing up, but you said, you know, I'm there for them while they're playing. But what really what I'm trying to do is prepare them for that time that phone call comes when they're told their services are no longer needed. And what yeah. they relied on through all these years, why is that so important for – and we'll talk in athletics for a second. Why is that so important that these young men – have a purpose that's bigger than the sport they play? It's so important because that football that they play on, they can't stand on. You might get one or two that can really stand on and balance, but it's an oblong-looking thing. So you can't really stand on it. But if you take the air out of it, it's flat. You can stand on it. But then it's useless <laughs> for the game, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's, a, that's a, the, the, the picture frame I kind of give these young men. And a lot of the chapters around the league, they do this because that football is going – it's not foundational. You, you can't stand on it. You know, you you got the uh, – uh, you can get a, a great start in life. You can get, you know, um, financially some security there. But, you know, you really can't stand on it. So, I think a lot of the guys nowadays, like I said, because of the fact they're chaplains in college, in high school, and, and, and now in the pros – I think a lot of these guys are being open to, you know, where can I help? You know, where can I um, help an area? Help? Where can I help increase an area to believe or help an area to increase in 
you know, um, um, mentally, you know, of the mental thought process when we, when we talk about some of our poverty-stricken areas. You know, so I think a lot of the young men just feel like they they are in a position of of great resources, and a lot of them feel like they have to give back. You know, is that coerced or is that just freely? I think it's more freely because they know the situations in which they come from, and they can relate. Again, they can relate to the story because they've lived the story. Um, and I really feel like that's the big draw right now is that a lot of these young men and young women that they're married to, they have been there, they come from there, so they got a heart for there. Um, There's so many mission trips that these young men do together that are unheard of. People don't really know. There's so many things that these young young people do now that's amazing to me. You know, it is amazing to me that they have the initiative. They're wise and leading the charge while they're playing season and all season they have it all laid out i mean it's it's a it's a great blessing that is a great blessing. and it's called and it's across all the sports yeah it's not just football that's so awesome and i remember you leave the falcons and you go back to where's your your home up in clemson south carolina and got mm. to be a real part of that that run that Coach Coach Dabo's been on building just a powerhouse program. What has made him? And you were up close and personal with with Dabo. What 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 is it that makes him so unique in the coaching world? And why why do kids love him? Parents love him. Uh, the crowd loves him. What what is it about him that is so dynamic? Well, you know, I had a coach come to me, and he was like, "Trap man, is this really real? Is that how, is that him? Is that who he is?" I was like, "Yeah, twenty four seven. I said, "Man, he's the same dude that's talking to you as he'll be talking to his wife and kids." Wow. He's transparent. He's transparent. He's authentic. He's genuine. You know, and and he's not a salesman. He's not trying to sell you on something. <laughs> if he's trying to sell you on something, it's Christ. Mm. But he's authentic. You know, and you, you can't replace that. That's that's another part of that confidence in Christ. I can be who I am because I know I'm trying to live the example of Christ. I don't have to worry about changing, you know, from this suit to that suit. You know, uh, I need to be who I am. You know, it's like, it's like uh, you know, when you, you're you Billy Bad, but on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then you got to change over and be someone on Monday through Thursday. Yep. He, he doesn't have to do that because he is who he is. He's authentic. He's he's comfortable in, in being, you know, Dabo Sweeney. And and a lot of coaches, I believe, and a lot of people, are. like, again, I don't think they're comfortable who they are because, you know, yeah, maybe they do have some trash in their in their, in their background. But guess what? Everyone has some trash. It doesn't matter how you, how you live through it, mm. you know. And, you know, his story is transparent. You know, his story is transparent. He'll let you know where he come from. He'll let you know the brokenness that exists in his own family. <laughs> There's no Partridge family. There's a family that's been broken. There's a family that continues to struggle daily but work at it, you know. And um, and that's the thing that I love about him. That's what made him successful. And the fact that he has a vision. He has a plan. We sat down. We had a plan. We had a vision on how we were going to attack ministry. He had a vision on how he was going to attack education, how he was going to attack recruiting, how he was going to attack the family of football and then football, you know, so um, that's been successful. That's, those are building blocks. Mm. And you can't, you can't, you can't go wrong when you build on a solid foundation. That boy, isn't that the truth? And I think one of the other things you've heard so much come out of the locker room up there and even in some professional locker rooms is, is those guys genuinely, they genuinely love each other. When those guys express that love for each other, does that make the team weaker or do you think it makes them stronger? Those who pray together, stay together. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. if, if your family is, is together through all the turmoil of life, guess what? You're going you're gonna to be together. And that's family. And, and that's another great example. Dabo came from a broken family that he admittedly talks about. The majority of these young men come from broken families that no one's really talk about. Hmm. But if you can relate to me, then of course we got you know we got some organic conversation now. That's right. You can really probably understand that. You can understand where I've been. I can trust that. 
You know what, Coach? I can trust you. I'm coming to play for you. Mm. You know, do we get them all? No, we don't get them all. Sometimes, you know, you get what you're supposed to get. But, you know, you, you're supposed to treat people the way you're supposed to treat them while you have them. And, and he does a great job doing it. You know, there's a lot of coaches trapped that listen to this and a lot of good buddies of mine in high school and college that that tune in. What What's a challenge you would have for them from the, the time you played and the time dealing with athletes today, uh, athletes that you still deal with? What's a, what's a challenge you would have, whether at the high school level or the collegiate level or to even at a professional level? What's a challenge you have for those coaches? The biggest challenge, I say, is be who you're supposed to be. Don't try to be somebody else. You know, Nick Saban is a great coach. Don't try to be Nick Saban. Be who you're supposed to be. I have to be James Trevor if I'm a coach. And if I can be James Trevor in front of my athletes on a day-to-day basis, I can be transparent with my athletes. Yo, I understand what you're going through, but I'm not feeling that because I've never been down that road. But let me let me hit you off with something. Let's go talk to someone else. Or let me hear your story. Just have time for your guys. Have time to hear their story. And I know time crunches there. But you know what? You can make things happen. You can make things happen. If you pour, if, if, and another thing is, if, if you pour into some guys, you know, true life, real life, you will get back something you can't even imagine. Yeah, I'll think about this. Um, one of our coaches found, just passed away, you know, from high school. And, you know, we had, we had nine coaches. And, and one of them just passed away. And, and I look at this. We always, all of us stay in contact with our coaches, with our head coach from high school. Why? Because they lived, they lived with us. They lived life with us. They were so proud to get us from high school to college, and then from from and then in their mind, from college to the pros. Yep. You know, and and you have to be that type of coach. You got to be willing to live with them. You have signed on to do a job that requires you to be a mentor, a leader, a father figure a big brother figure, however you want to look at it. You signed on for that job. You're responsible for that time that you have with each of these young men. How are you going to take advantage of that? What kind of legacy are you going to leave? Leave that legacy through your people. If you learn to get away from yourself and you serve those who you, you, you're, you're coaching, you will be a blessed organization. You know, so the biggest, biggest thing I say is be transparent. Be who you are in front of, in front of the young men. And if that ain't so good, then you might need to get up out of the game. Because mm. a lot of these young guys know what's good for them and what's not good for them. They can read you. They can read you. That is good. That is good. Boy, I, I know just just even for where I live now, it's just a great reminder of the, of the bigger purpose. That, that that it's more than mm. the game. It really is more than the game and more than, more than what's going on. You, you made a comment earlier you know, adversity is your companion. It's a lesson you learn. In 2010, you walked through some heck of a lot more adversity than you ever encountered on a football field or on a track. <laughs> you, you were diagnosed with leukemia. Tell, tell us a little bit about that journey and how that adversity is my companion statement probably carried you. Talk, talk to us a little bit about that. Well, I tell you what, Mike, I try to read a book a week. Um, I just got finished. It's called um, The Book of Joy by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. You're probably thinking, why are you reading Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu? Because <laughs> <laughs> you need some good stuff in your life, some good pictures, uh, uh, or good things in your life. Uh, but in that book, it talked about um, strengthening your mind for stress. You know, and, and, and then again, you go into First Timothy 4, where it talks about physical training, but spiritual training has a value in all things. And also in verse 10 of, of, of chapter 4, it says, we struggle and work hard daily, you know? So in order to be able to handle adversity when it shows up, you don't have to go get ready, be ready. Well, how do you be ready? You have to strengthen your mind every day. You have to strengthen your mind for the onset of that battle that's coming. It's like you lifting weights every day. What are you lifting weights for? To get bigger to show that? No, you lifting weights so that when that struggle comes, you're ready for it. Mm. You don't have to go get ready. You know, it's like the like the like the uh the our own forces. You know, we do more in the morning before most people do. You know? 
Yep. You you have to get up, get ready, and be ready. And because my wife and I were ready for that, we were ready for that adversity. We can absorb it. We don't have to run from it. We don't even have to fear it. When the doctor looked at me and she says, I want to tell you that you diagnosed in the blast phase of leukemia, meaning I could have lived three seconds, three minutes, uh, three hours, or three days, or three years. She didn't know. I was in the last phase of what they call uh, CML leukemia. You know, because I had probably pushed it, which I had no idea, pushed it off prolonged because I was probably still in the symptoms a year a year before, you know, um, but not not taking the time to take care of my health. But when she said that, she didn't get a, 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 a wow. She got a, my wife looked her dead in her face. Before the words came out of her mouth, you have uh, CML leukemia. My wife says, well, okay, how do we fight it? <laughs> you know, wow. I mean, so I mean, it wasn't a hey, we need to think about. It. We need to, no. It was like, how do we fight it? She said that, you know. And then I'm, you know, me, I'm amen, amen, corner, amen. Yeah, how do we fight that? You know. So you have to have your mind situated in a way that is prepared for battle. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I taught all my children how to play chess. Teach them how to play chess so they can always be a minimum three, four moves ahead. So that their minds always strengthening for those corners that are going to come. Something might pop up out of the corner. You got to be able to respond, not react. You know, you got to be able to respond. Respond causes you want to think about it. React causes you to boom, boom. You know, so I try to tell them that, and that's how I live my life. I try to keep my mind strong, as strong as I possibly can, you know. And 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 do that, I got to read good books. I got to spend time with good people. I got to look at good uh, subject matter when I'm looking at TV, you know, um, because those things that are around you will influence you. And, and that's where we are today. Just junk TV, you know, people can spend more time reading good books and good conversations. They will strengthen their mind. They'll be ready for any battle that, they, that they're facing. Boy, I love that. I, you know, I remember hearing in one of your speeches, you said there were four D's that you live by that really pulled you through that time with leukemia, your dream, your direction, your decision, and you were dedicated. Was that yes. when you were, when you were hooked up, I think you called him Baxter and you were walking around the, <laughs> you were walking around the ward. How, how did those four D's, how did those four D's pull you through that, 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 which everybody in this world would understand as a real Valley that you're in. How did those four D's keep you going? You know, you have, you know, like your dream, and you, you got to say, man, I'm seeing myself through this. I'm not seeing myself out of here because the Lord will call you. When it's time for the Lord to call you, you will know it. That's right. <laughs> you, you ain't going to miss that phone call. <laughs> I don't get your own answer. <laughs> yeah. But he's giving you breath. And as long as he's giving you breath, then you have to believe in that. You got to see past that. That's that vision. You got to cast it out there. You know, some people cast a vision where they can reach it. You know, I cast a vision where I'm challenged to go get it. Yep. You know, and 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 you gotta be dedicated to it. You gotta walk in that bastard, man. I had to walk around that hallway. They they like you gotta walk around the hallway 21 times to get a mile. You know, and and you know, back to let's go. I ain't feeling up to it. I don't really want to do it. I want to lay down here, but you got to go, man. If I got to drag you, I'm gonna push you sometimes. I'm gonna pull you sometimes. Sometimes I'm gonna stop and talk to you, but we're gonna get around here 21 times, yeah. you know. And, and and you know, that machine, you know, it beat and beat, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I looked at the numbers go up and down, but I tell you, it, that's what helped me get through. Wow, is having that is having a, a mindset that says, You're gonna go with me, you know, I don't need to have the proper equipment on i don't have to have everything lined up you're gonna go through this with me whether i go down low or whether i go up high you have to be attached to me or you're going with me i'm not gonna go with you because if i would stay with backs i would stay in that bed yep and i probably would have passed away wow wow and i bet because i you go ahead i'm sorry i said because i did 28 people that started with me 22 are still living today. Wow. That's incredible. 
you know, and you, and you think about all those times that, that Rod had come by your room and man, just that infectious, that, that, that image of what Jesus, I think looks like. And I think, I think we would all both agree. You and I would both agree, man. He just, he just lets Jesus bleed through him. And you think about that. And then you think about sitting there in, in a, in a, in a room you never dreamed you would be in, man, where would you mm. have been? Where would you have been without your faith? Where, where would you have been if Rod Harrison hadn't been Jesus for you in Baltimore during training camp, where would you have been? I would have probably played just that one year. Mm. I probably wouldn't have made it through that year. I probably would not have made it through that year. Um, it would have been, hard to be successful with the way I was living. It would have been hard. I would have made, I would not have made it through that year. Um, I don't know if my marriage would have made it through that year. Mm. Um, you know, because I was, um, really, you know how you can be your own worst enemy. I was my own worst enemy and didn't realize, didn't want to own up to it. Didn't want to, didn't want to see the truth of who I was. I was living in a fairy tale and I wanted to be, wanted to remain a fairy tale. But because he walked in Christ, he allowed me to see something that was real. Mm. And even though I say I didn't want it at the time, my spirit wanted it. Mm. And when the opportune time came, for the spirit to reveal himself to me, he did so. And it scared the heck out of me. And it changed me. Would you have so I know it? without him, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry, buddy. I said without him being that Christ for me, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't have made it. And I know I probably I know I wouldn't have made it through cancer. No. Man, I'm telling you, and I think, you know, I think sometimes we, we minimize why God put us in somebody's life. You know, I think part of spiritual yeah. leadership is, man, he put you here for a reason bigger than you. And I, and I think about that conversation a lot. And I look now at all the players' lives that you've affected while you were with the Falcons. Those guys adored you. All the kids at Clemson. Mm that you affected during your time there, all the kids up in Buffalo that you affected. Now you're working with the, the NFL and the legends community. When, when people look back on James Trapp, the people that knew you, the people that have known the new James Trapp, the, your family, uh, your beautiful wife, 22 years, when they look back on James Trapp one day, what do you want people to say about you? That he loved the Lord. That's the biggest thing. Amen. He loved the Lord. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something, buddy. And I know we don't see each other all the time, but I will tell you, that's what I know the people that know you. That's exactly what they would say about you. And I, I just want you to know, man, you are making a difference and it has been an honor to get to spend a little time with you today. Thanks for, thanks for the work you're doing. Thanks for the work you've done. And, man, I'm praying for all the, all the new guys, all the new James Traps. You're going to knock on their door. And you're going to be that Jesus with skin on for them, James. Thank you so much, buddy, for your time today. It really does mean the world. Man, thank you, Mike, man. Blessings to you. Blessings to you too, buddy. Have a great one. I don't even know what to say. You know, I, I thought I knew where that conversation would go with Trap, but, uh, man, I think you and I both heard a depth that only adversity can bring. And as much as I love his football stories and all the incredible things he has done and absolutely the smoothest, coolest person I have ever been in front of or been, been around, the phrase that he used early in our interview, adversity is my companion. You know, when he made that statement, and it was really about his playing career, little did he know how that was going to play into his life. You know, there's an old phrase, we live life forward, but we understand it looking backwards. 
Maybe you're finishing 2017 and adversity's been your companion. Maybe you're looking back in the rearview mirror of this past year in business, this past year in your family, this past year with your church, this past year on your team. And you go, you know what? It's a year I would probably choose not to relive. Let me call a little time out there. I'll throw myself in that category with you. It's been quite a year for me personally. But you know what I know in the days ahead? God has an amazing way of taking that adversity and using it to create something good in our lives. And I think you heard that from Trap, that adversity didn't hold him back. It pushed him forward because he knew that it was going to be a pillar that God was going to use to build on in his life. Therefore, the greater the adversity, the greater the ability for God to use him. And man, has God used James Trapp and is continuing to use him in players' lives all over the National Football League. These guys that have played the game now that are out in society doing different things get to have a guy like Trapp leading them to help them have a purpose that's bigger than them. Here's my prayer for you as you finish 2017 and look ahead to 2018. I pray that you have found a purpose bigger than you. You know, to be a spiritual leader means you have a purpose that's worth living for. If you don't have a purpose, I hope you'll reach out to me. You can go to MikeLynch.com and get all my information. You can respond to me on Twitter and send me a message or send me an email through our North Star Church account, NorthStarChurch.org. You'll see my email on there. My dream for you, however, is that you are able to lead in the environment God has placed you exactly the way that he intended for you to. And you look back at the end of your journey with no regrets. Well, I don't know how 2017's been, but I pray for you and me that 2018 is even greater and even better. We get to kick off 2018, our next episode, with Mr. Positive, probably the guy that's being used across the country, really in all genres from business to athletics, more than anybody else in this platform, is a good friend of mine named John Gordon. And we're going to sit down with John and we're going to talk about where that positivity comes from and how it plays out in God's purpose for his life. Well, I hope your year ends great. I hope your football team wins during the bowl games. And I hope you have a great end to 2017. And I can't wait to join you again in 2018 on Lynch with a Leader. Invite a friend to join you. Share it with a friend. That helps us out to get the word out because it really isn't about us. It really is about helping people find their place in God's plan and be used all they can there. Have a great day, and I can't wait to join you in 2018. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.